folks. XQ quality, better than HQ, but no one knows what the X stands for, except for extremely good. <clears throat> Here we go. Welcome to episode 185 of Channel Massive. This is Noah, and through the magic of the internet, Mark is here as well. Harnessing the inner tubes. Live from Dallas out there. I'm, I am indeed in Dallas. I've, be, I've become a native Texan. Is this your, mm-hmm. your new home location, Mark? Yes, yeah, my new my new homestead over here to the, the ranch. <laughs> Establishing some roots out there. That's right, I'm eating steak and spanking waitresses' bottoms. <laughs> what I do. And even though we have been separated and connected through Skype, we have also secured the return of a wonderful co-host that's been here previously, Jeff. Hello there. It's my encore appearance. What's up, guys? How's it going, man? Good. This is our... Denver does Dallas episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because Jeff is actually in Denver, as I am. Yes. Yes. So Mark is the outlier. I'm the outlaw. <laughs> yes. Yes. Rootinous, tootinous cowboy, this side south of the Pecos. Just like Aunt Jovi sung about. Yeah, I'm a cowboy. <laughs> You're not wanted, though. I'm wanted... Want to dead or alive? <laughs> no. Jeff said no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> In this episode, we're going to get into some fantastic listener feedback from Soren, who we are really excited to hear from again. And then after that, we'll be letting you know what all of us have been playing over the weeks and or months since you've last heard from each of us. And then we got some nice little roundtable topics to get into looking at some different strategies that game developers can take in terms of making success. First of all, reaching out to the community or reaching out to fellow developers and stealing their ideas. Yeah, Many ways the high to road, profit. Yes, yes. Yeah. Definitely some role models for us out there. We've got some other topics we'll get into as well. We would love to hear what your reactions and thoughts are on those topics. You can even tell us what you're playing, what's been going on with you. Send it into mail M-A-I-L. at channelmassive.com. You can also leave us a review on the iTunes. We really appreciate you subscribing and listening to us. Here we go. This episode of Channel Massive is sponsored by UGT Servers. When you order Ventrilo hosting from UGT, you get all of the powerful administration features hardcore gamers want and the ease of use that newbie gamers need. With 24-hour tech support, 13 locations worldwide, and a 15-day money-back guarantee, you'd be crazy not to check them out. Head to UGT-Servers.com for all of your Ventrilo hosting needs. As promised, listener feedback 
from Soren, who had some reactions to a recent episode of ours. He said, hey, guys, I would say that if Microsoft could mimic Steam, they would have no problem keeping their players, even if they do make used games unplayable. In this case, Soren's talking about the rumors that the next Xbox may be able to block the play of used games in some way. Soren continued. Talk block, I say. Yes. Soren continued. Publishers would prefer the Xbox to PlayStation 4, and the Xbox gets more titles in their catalog. However, the titles that are available in the Xbox marketplace at the moment are priced too high compared to what is found in bargain bins at stores. So they would need to reconsider current pricing strategies to keep players from exodusing to PlayStation. No used games could be a problem for GameStop and others, granted. But with used games gone, publishers could reduce the price in new games in theory. Thanks for the great podcast, Soren. I have a hard time thinking that a publisher could ever do something as benevolent as lowering prices unless somebody forces them to do that with competition. <laughs> yeah. I remember when games started this generation at $60, and I was like, no, this is the first step in this direction, and then what's next is the next generation. Is it going to be $70 because it's just so expensive to make these extravagant games? But something that was funny is a lot of people were raising a stink about it as if it had never happened. But I still distinctly remember years ago when, I think it was Wave Race 64, I really, really wanted that game. A Nintendo 64 game came out at the $60 price point. And I think Shadows of the Empire might have come out at $70 at the price point. God. I think which is really ridiculous. Were, they were ahead of their time in inflated pricing. Yeah, and I remember yeah. the only other system that did that was Neo Geo, that system, and... I think its cartridges were one hundred to one hundred fifty dollars, something like that. Oh, nice! Nice. So we got it kind of good. At least it's not that bad, and may it never go there. And as Soren refers to, you know, if we ultimately get to a pure digital distribution system, which I think is likely, I don't know about you guys, but if Steam does all those super awesome sales and the future follows that model, we could be in for something pretty sweet and piracy would definitely be reduced yeah and you know the thing about steam that i like is it rewards late adopters you know if you're if you're an early adopter you you pay a penalty of paying double what you'll eventually be able to get the game for in you know four to eight months or something but if you if you can be a little bit patient and actually play those games you haven't played yet, which you bought a long time ago well maybe i just have issues but anyway i mean if you can actually, you know, have the discipline to do that and wait, then that game will inevitably drop, and then you can get it for a decent price. But you That's know, true. Pay, paying sixty nine dollars plus tax for, you know, a game is just so unpalatable to me. I only would do it if uh, the only time I've done it in the last few months was just for um, the old Republic. You know, and anything else, I just wait. So. No, I take it back. I did it for Skyrim too, because yeah, they yeah. had they they roped me in with that damn demo. But other than that, I've been pretty patient. I have to say the thing that draws me in along those lines, Mark, is if the game's really ex- compelling or if it's something that I'm really excited about, or if there's a really cool collector's edition, that'll get even oh, more yeah. out of me. I've definitely fallen into that trap. Even though we've talked about it on this show before, Mark, where we uh, got, what was it, the collector's edition of Age of Conan. Conan? That's like the perfect case 
scenario. Oh, yeah. And we said that we weren't going to do that anymore, but I have definitely continued yeah. to do it. Let's let me remind you of your baby hands. That's right. I me mean, especially. <laughs> <laughs> Any type of sexy statues that I can get. I actually scratch that statuettes in Mark's vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> Mark also likes dolls, so <laughs> yes, they are. He gets a little sensitive there. when people get dolls and don't call them that, since he has an extensive collection of them. Uh, no, I just have the one that you gave me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember giving you any dolls. You gave me a statuette, which is a Cylon. (laughs) That's right. That's right, because it talks, which is really Yeah, by your command. I love it. (laughs) uh, Yeah, I just think the collector's editions are just so, they're just so brutal on the pocketbook. And then after you've had them, you really, unless you get something really cool like that, you don't really appreciate it. You know. I remember back when it was when Jason was on the show. He said that he could only justify a collector's edition if it actually added content to the game that you played right. or used. But for me, that's usually the inverse because I don't find those nearly as appealing. It's like, oh, pre-order it from Best Buy and get this type of gun, and pre-order it from Walmart and get this little boost during the online multiplayer it's like i could care less about that crap yeah the incentives in those cases are usually pretty tacked on like uh, afterthought yeah yeah your your main character will be able to piss in a different color depending on which company he bought the game from yeah so (laughs) if it's it's walmart it'll be blue if it's target it'll be red which also could be a bad indicator for health but nonetheless you know it's a feature so i don't know (laughs) Maybe I'm trivializing it a little too much, but it's a great, uh, this is a great letter, Soren. Thanks for writing into us. And I like too that you use the word exodusing because it just seems so appropriate. Jeff, you weren't so, on the show when we talked about this, but what do you, what is your stance on the Xbox potentially blocking the play of used games? Uh, I think it would be a massive mistake. I mean, if you think of the demographic of gamers just the sheer principle of something like that would really rub a lot of people the wrong way. So I, I don't foresee them doing that unless they're losing a few, few uh, brain cells. <laughs> but, Do you hear that, Microsoft? That's one more yeah. person. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, Hilgi, brought up, Hilgi brought up a good point. We're kind of in a transitional phase where we're not fully out of retail and we're not fully into digital distribution. But, um, you know, I think within a generation or two we'll – make the full cut over, you know, companies like Steam and Netflix and OnLive and Xbox Live and PSN, they're kind of spearheading that process, but we're not fully into digital distro yet. But when we do get there, you know, we can maybe charge less for games and that type of thing. Um, You're so right about the digital distribution. Everybody yeah. I work with is used, they're used, they're like Steam subscribe, or not Steam, but uh, Netflix subscribers, and everybody's pissed off because they're actually having to watch commercials for the first time in several months. <laughs> it's so funny. But anyway, go ahead, I'm sorry. I just <laughs> oh, no, it's okay. And the one last thing I was going to say is companies like uh, GameStop, you know, if they don't currently have some sort of, you know, game plan in place for embracing digital distribution they are they're definitely on the slippery slope to being non-existent yeah Yeah, that's true yeah i mean if they're a good 
if they're good business people, I'm sure they have something in the works, but who knows? Yeah. Instead of riding that dying horse till it's dead, maybe they could be like a steam that does, does come up with a model to let you trade, um, yeah. you know, you virtually used <laughs> downloadable games or, you know, digitally distributed games somehow, which would be really awesome. Yeah. Thank you very much, Soren, for the great email. It's always great to hear from you. And also thank you to Hilgi Scott for suggesting I download the horrific Resident Evil Game Boy Color game that was never released because it was so bad, but now it's available. <laughs> I think I will wait until I finally get my copy of Resident Evil Revelations in a couple days. And that's going to be definitely on my what I'm playing agenda. But speaking of that, let's talk about what we've been playing up to now. So, this is the part of the podcast where we discuss what we've been playing. Since I haven't been able to play anything, I feel compelled to go first. Um, I'm actually out of town on business, and so I, I only got to play a little bit over the weekend, which consisted of some frustrating League of Legends games and a little bit of uh, The Old Republic, where I went back through and, in an anal retentive fashion, finished a bunch of quests that netted me absolutely no experience, but made me feel like I had completed something. Um, other than that, not too much to report for me. What about you, Noah? Over in No Land, there's been a little bit of League of Legends. I had a great time getting to play with Kurt for a few games, but then we got into this one 5v5 game of League of Legends, and it wasn't going well, and Kurt just kept trying to propose a surrender and the other people weren't interested in doing it. And they're like, why do you want to lose? And he's like, it's clear that we are going to lose. <laughs> Surrender. <laughs> and he just got angrier and angrier. And then finally, when it was really obvious we were going to lose and they were in our base destroying everything, and he said, please surrender, please surrender. He kept trying to get people to surrender very politely, but you know, with a slight edge. Uh, he immediately just quit out of the entire game. Didn't say anything oh, to me at all. He was just uh, so they, enraged and gone. Good old rage quit. Yeah. Oh, you gotta <laughs> love that. Once the formal surrender was complete, of course. Uh, <laughs> I haven't talked to him since, but I, I hope he's recovered all right. I also finished Castlevania Lords of Shadow last night, which has been a bit of an epic journey. The game's really, really long. It actually requires two discs on the 360, if that wow. gives you an idea of how wow. long it is. Or to use another comparison, I would say it's about as much content in a single-player game, which granted that's all it has. Uh, Uncharted 1 and Uncharted 2 together would probably be the length of Castlevania. So, wow. And it's hard. It's not an easy game. I played it on easy, and there's many times where I'm like, I was playing with my buddy Chris, like, can you believe this is easy? What the fuck? <laughs> 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 and there's four difficulty levels in it, but it's a really, really it's one of the most beautiful games I've ever played. The graphics uh, and level design are absolutely amazing. I'm not too familiar with that. Aesthetically, is it more 2D like Symphony of the Night or is it a 3D it's one? A, it's a 3D game. It's like, okay. it's basically like Uncharted. I mean, I would I actually say since I thought Uncharted was another game that had incredible graphic design, I would say it's on par with that, if not better. It's just the wow. texture work 
the architecture, the creature design and the animations. I mean, there's one-off creatures and enemies that show up for a single level out of the games, I don't know, 50 <laughs> that are just like, wow, they did this just for this one little area. It's really, really well done. And it's got all these great British voice actors, first and foremost with the quite overdramatic Patrick Stewart as the main narrator. Oh, nice. And then one of the dudes wow. from Train Spotting, the older, one of the older, more mature guys in Train Spotting, I can't remember what his name is. I can never remember. He's the main, uh, he's Gabriel Belmont. So, and it's like an origin story of wow. the Belmont clan. So if you've ever really liked any Castlevania games and have avoided the 3D ones because they suck, this right. one will erase all that because it really is fantastic. Wow. I'll have to check it out. Combat wise, is it like Devil May Cry, God of War? What's, it's like what's God of War. There? Okay. Um, but it's not as button masher friendly as God of War is because I think with God of War it's usually you alternate strings of button presses between the two button, the two main attack buttons. Maybe yeah. three, I can't remember. Whereas with this one, it's, it is alternating, but it's hold down certain buttons for a period of time. So it might be like Y and then X held down or Y, X, Y and then hold down Y or hold down the left trigger and do th- something. So because of that extra intricacy, I guess you could call it <laughs> in it, it's a lot harder to be a button masher and you have to be really, you have to really learn it and get good at it. But it's 3D combat with a whip and all yeah. the little weapons that a lot of the classic weapons that are just intrinsic to Castlevania, whether it's, uh, holy water or the like. So. Really, really, really cool. And I imagine, I imagine if it remains true to previous Castlevanias, does it have a decent soundtrack? That one I'm a little divided on. It's, the soundtrack wasn't made by the same people that have made all the other ones. I think the team that made it is actually based in Spain. So, but they worked with, um, what's the name? Hideo Kojima, the guy who is the head of the developer Metal Metal Gear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was their primary consultant on it. So, uh, gameplay is really good, I would say, but the soundtrack, they, they only have like bastardized a couple of the classic tunes, but everything else is original. It's all played by a real orchestra. There's never any intrusion or half and half with a synthesizer, stuff like that. But some, because of that, it can sometimes seem a little over the top dramatic when it doesn't need to be it doesn't fade out quick enough there's not a lot of memorable moments there's only like a couple original little tunes that are and they're just phrases more than anything more than songs just musical phrases Mm -hmm. like oh i love this little jingle that they put into some of the songs so (laughs) to speak uh but still you know overall really really great game i also finally got a smartphone and have spent a little time playing some really disposable games on that Definitely will not be my new main platform of choice, Hope, but that's cool. Hopefully, hopefully no Zynga titles. No. Yeah, Although when I read yeah. that story, I'm like, I should check out yeah. the other, the, the we'll original. T- we'll touch on that later, listeners. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In general, I'd say I'm not a fan of anything Zynga related. PopCap, yeah. I am, even though PopCap, you know, reproduces the same content a billion times over every different platform. Yeah, but Plants vs. Zombies is actually pretty fun on a mobile phone. Is it? Did you get the mobile phone version of that? Uh-huh. Well, my wife did and finished it, and I was like, how can you play that? And I looked, and I was like, wow, it's actually better on her phone, I think, than... Well, maybe not better, but it's it's cool, because you, know, you can just touch where you want the to plant everything. You don't have to use the 
control stick to, you know, kind of do it. And it was pretty cool. I will admit that one of the first things I looked for was Bejeweled because I love the Bejeweled series. But you have to keep in mind that Electronic Arts now owns PopCap. And in my experience, when Electronic Arts tries to crap its poor quality mobile games out there, there's really crappy versions of Tetris that don't have a lot of functionality to them. And there's, as it turns out, a really crappy version of Bejeweled 2 that has almost none of the features that Bejeweled 2 actually has. It's just a really stripped-down version of the game. So fortunately, there's like 50 gajillion Bejeweled clones, and I never really got to ask their co-founder how he felt about that. And a couple of them are really good. So I'm like, all right, cool. I got some free Bejeweled clones that actually have multiple game modes and are pretty fun. So that's cool. That is my game time. How about Jeff? Well, for me, uh, you guys remember last time I was on, I was playing Dark Souls, and since that time, I've gone on to complete that one. Just kidding. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow. No, yeah. I remember you saying that you were going to finish it. it. That was what yeah, was yeah. weird. I definitely did not finish that. I, uh, I tried out Skyrim after receiving that for the holidays, and boy, did that one get its hooks into me. Oh, did you average 75 hours? I'm not that deep yet, but man, I really, I really, really enjoyed it. It's very absorbing. Um, and I kind of have a, my own personal bug experience with it. I feel like that's a rite of passage with that game. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You have to experience the bug or you're just, you're not yet a man. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, for me, it happened immediately. I was playing it with my dad and, um, you know, spoiler alert, I'm sure everyone that's played it has obviously been through this part already, but it's initially with the game, the dragon comes and it leaps onto this tower-type structure and you run into the tower, and from there he's supposed to fly away after blowing a hole into the wall, but for me, he literally got stuck there and was just kind of staring. <laughs> he was staring at me stoi- stoically with that, like, thousand-yard stare, like, uncanny mind. I was like, Hey there, little dragon. What do I do to you? Can I try jumping on you? Do I do I swing my non-existent sword at you? What do I do? And so it became pretty clear to me that something was glitching out. So I restarted, and that didn't occur again. And everything's been good since since that little glitch. Um, you got the dumbest dragon ever on your uh, right. first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and. So- uh, for me, I mean, beyond that incident, obviously, I just really, really love that game. It's, I think, I like to say it passes my uh, daydream test, and I'm sure you can imagine what that means. It's anytime I find a game that I think about frequently while I'm away from it, I think that's a real testament to how good it is. Oh yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah, that's a yeah. good way of putting it. Right, and um, on a silly point, I think. It has the best rendering of wind I've ever seen in a video game. <laughs> it does. It's so good in yeah. that snow and stuff. The blowing snow yeah. and yeah, it's so well done. It's amazing. Yeah, it seems subtle, but it it's it's pretty dang effective. So I've been playing a bunch of that. Um, earlier this week, I downloaded the Twisted Metal demo. Um, played that briefly. Have you played that, Noah? No, I'm not a fan of. Twisted Metal. So okay. I just know that what's his name? Jaffe left the company right after they got finished developing that this week. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Ooh, he he that's... and he co-founded that company. And he's like, "Woo, we're making a twisted metal game." And then he just left the company this week. He's like, "I just can't be on a be at a company where I'm not with the team making the product on a week-to-week mm-hmm. basis." So I guess he's physically separated from them and didn't like that whole arrangement with is, is it Eat Play Sleep or something like that? I think it's what their name is. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. That that raises some skepticism in me then because to me that says he's not confident that the finished product is, you know, going to be appealing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bail, bail, bail. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Banded ship. But the demo was all right. I mean, the AI opponents were a little overpowered. Like, I was sucking up a storm, but then I did the... The demo also has some online deathmatch, and I did pretty decent in that, and it was it was fun. It reminded me of... Um, I guess Twisted Metal 2 it was back on the original PlayStation so it was it was pretty good and uh, that's that's really it for me you know something that's missing from all of our stories and actually something that I intended to address before I got here but I've just been so overcome with narcolepsy today <laughs> I slept before we recorded and to little benefit as you can tell by listening to me um, I don't hear any Kingdoms of Amal or Reckoning in anybody's No. Sure and all don't. I've heard about is that damn game this week about how freaking amazing it is and the huge, super high Metacritic score it's got and how it's got the best combat system in any role-playing game that's come out in a long time. And it makes it, from a combat perspective, for some reviewers, better than Skyrim, better than The Witcher, better than Mass Effect, which are than, games that are noted for having really good gameplay. Uh, better than Dark Souls, yeah. Yeah. Now, the story, surprise, surprise, Mr. Arya Salvatore apparently kind of is generic and sucks to some people, but then other people think that it's okay. And overall, the vibe is, even though there's really crappy, inconsistent art direction from Mr. Todd McFarlane, where sometimes it's really serious and sometimes it's really zany, Um <laughs> The gameplay is so freaking cool, even though you're just collecting wolf pelts and other types of crap quests. It's just so much fun. It makes up for it. So that means I need to get the demo if it's still available. I don't know. But if you guys are going to, yeah. but I wanted to see if you were going to give it a try. No, yeah, I would, I would love to. I mean, that for me, that game came out of nowhere. I hadn't even heard of it until this week. But, yeah, similarly so, I'd seen all the high praise for it. And to me, it's refreshing, like... It's a well-received game that's a new intellectual property. It's not a freaking sequel. That's just from a Western developer. Fresh air. Yeah. We've talked about 38, Mr. Schilling's 38, whatever it is, games. 38, yeah, 38 Studios. 38 studio. Is it 38 yeah. Studios? Yeah. Uh, because he's been preparing a Kingdoms of Amalur MMO, which is still a ways out and is still in development of note, but since they needed to get additional funding and wanted to get something out sooner than later, they created this side story in the same world as a single-player experience. And we talked about actually last week, Mark, we talked about how yeah, single-player right. content in this game is locked up in a code. <laughs> Shockingly. Um, and so we've, we've definitely been interested to see how it's going to go. And I was totally skeptical 
that this game, because it was, it just seemed like, hey, we're going to subcontract this other random developer to make a single player game in our world. And it's like, oh wow, this is going to suck. These people don't even make, um, traditional single player RPGs. And they knocked it out of the park to use a cheesy cliche in this case. Yeah, well, the title is a cliche too, which is why I wasn't too excited about it. <laughs> it has a preposition and it uses yeah. the word reckoning. <laughs> I mean, come on. It, yeah, colon the reckoning. It's like, that just, yeah, just. You know, Kingdoms of Amalur, Mr. Salvatore is no Narnia, or Hogwarts, <laughs> or Middle uh, Earth, or any other fantasy land that just kind of rolls off the tongue. It's like, Am- Amalur, Amalur. It, it just does not sound compelling whatsoever. We should just try to think how Scott from the South would pronounce it, and surely he would call it. A mailer. <laughs> you know, I think you're right. So, Mark, are you going to try the demo for this game? Are you going to remain steadfast in your opposition to it in spite of all the positive word of mouth? No, you know, all the good reviews, i got to give it a try. I mean, if there's like a demo, if I have to buy it full price, I'll wait for a while. But if there is a demo, I'll, uh, I'll give it a shot. Yeah, so yeah. if any of you listeners out there, and I'm, I've got to believe that some of you have have this game, if you've played that or if you are playing it, because actually some of the stuff I've heard is like, oh, my gosh, I, I'm i going to have to make time on my schedule from Skyrim to play this. Whoa. So that just shocked me. Uh, I would love to hear wow. what people think about this. So send in your reactions if you have them to mail. M-A-I-L. At channelmassive.com. Oh, I have one more thing to add for my weekend gaming. I, I got to witness other podcasters in action, which isn't quite gaming, but it was interesting. I went to, nice. uh, I think it was last night, we went to the Tilted Kilt for dinner. Mm-hmm. And there's these guys, and they had, like, headphones on and microphones. And I was like, asked the waitress, I was like, what the hell are they doing? And she's like, oh, they're podcasting. They're called the Pub Guys, and they've been here forever. And I looked it up, and they have, like, 85 podcasts under the belts, so... They're like a humorous podcast. They talk about everything, like sports and stuff. But anyway. Uh, wow. Maybe we should do that. Of, yeah, it was kind of cool. It was, it was pretty neat. I mean, they had like, um, they had, they had like a, a mixer and like a PA so you could actually kind of hear what they were saying if you really listen, but they weren't like extraordinarily loud. But, um, it was just kind of cool and they were like ordering beers and, it was it was pretty funny. I, I was like, wow, this would be like Jason's dream method of doing a podcast, you know? <laughs> but, <laughs> We'd have to call a cab after that. Well, God, yeah. There's just too much proximity to get beer there. But uh, <laughs> anyway, I just thought I'd chime in with that. So, uh, you know, shout out to the pub guys. Pretty cool. So... What do we have in the gaming news for today? Well, it looks like Noah's favorite portable mobile game publisher, Zynga, has been caught red-handed. <laughs> They're and not least, my favorite social game or mobile game publisher or developer. <laughs> I just had to say it. It's just so funny. So, Zynga, as you know, they have like a gazillion games for a gazillion, I don't know, what is it, smartphones. They also have games for social gaming and for... Um, That's what they're known for like, most, I think, is Farmville and Cityville and all other crap oh God, on Facebook. Yeah. On Facebook, yeah. Yeah. Um, horrible games, in my opinion, but, you know, that's just me. 
Um, in any case, they um, they've added an, yet another game to their to their flock, if you will. The portfolio. Uh, their portfolio. Yeah, they um, they came out with this game called uh, Dream Heights which looks remarkably similar to a game that had already been released by a little three-person um, indie company called NimbleBit that was called Tiny Tower. And um, NimbleBit took a bit of offense to this, and they kind of released this really cool side-by-side um, picture that shows like kind of each different mode of each game side-by-side, and you can, cl- you can clearly see that one of them copied the other. Now... Based on their track record, I'm going to go ahead and just say that, and and due to the release dates as well, I'm going to kind of assume that maybe um, Dream Heights is a is a clone of Tiny Tower, just done in a better way because it's by a bigger game publisher. Does that sound fair? Maybe not. No, actually, it's probably not at all better. In any case. Um, NimbleBit's Ian, Ian Marsh got word out about the similarities between the two with this image that's been going all around Twitter. Um, one of the things that I thought was really cool was kind of the sarcasm that he dished out upon Zynga, where he said, um, We noticed you're about to launch a new iPhone game called Dream Heights. Congratulations. Um, and it was addressed to all 2,789 of Zynga's employees. We wanted to thank... All of you guys for being such big fans of our iPhone game of the year, Tiny Tower. The sarcastic statement continued, Good luck with you and your game. We are looking forward to inspiring you with our future games. Sincerely, all three of us, NimbleBit. Um, so I thought that was just brilliant, and I love that he you know, took it to him in that respect. And I think it's interesting too that there's a, there's a, this was from a story on Gamma Sutra, but there's another story, an older one. Um, which talks about, um, oh, actually, it's on Business Insider, which talks about um, Zynga's CEO. And what the, where is that guy's name? But I'm so good at this job sometimes, I tell you. <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> what's really cool is that he, he says, this is a, this is a really good kind of indicator of where this guy's taking the company. Zynga founder Mark Pincus says, I don't want fucking innovation. You're not smarter than your competitor. Just copy what they do and do it until you get their numbers. And uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? I I, I find this to be um, inspiring, actually. Now, it is important to note that that quote that's attributed to Pincus is actually from a former unnamed Zynga employee who called right. Zynga the most, quote, evil place he's run into. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, this we, don't, is, we don't have it on YouTube or anything, unfortunately. This kind of takes me back to what I was talking about earlier with PopCap, who is yeah, it's like it's it's like a good it's a good twin and an evil twin <laughs> in this analogy, where PopCap is really known for making super addictive, very compelling puzzle games and casual games that, granted, take some concepts that are used in other games that we've heard of before, but add some kind of twist or polish to it that makes it their own and is handsomely rewarded for it. And at first glance, you might think the same thing about Zynga because these are the people behind some of the biggest Facebook games of all time. And 
you would think like, oh, maybe these are the same type of people. But as it turns out, apparently not. Even though, <laughs> but not. unlike, uh, uh, it's not the same strategy as PopCop where it's like, oh, we're going to have complete ownership over IP and really work very hard to make it our own and make it compelling and make it fun. It's like, nope, just copy. And I, there's, there's definitely, uh, it's a common business strategy that's out there that's like, don't assume that anything you come up with hasn't been thought of before. Just try to do it better than other people. But this is a little bit more blatant, in my opinion, and pretty tacky. Yeah. It is. It's, it's horrible. Yeah, I mean, this is the type of thing that just fills me with a very deep, cold fury. It's like, it's such a blatant ripoff of a, another popular title, like in this particular case, the iOS Game of the Year, Tiny Tower, which, side note, isn't a very enjoyable game in my opinion. It's kind of mundane what you do in it. You just manage tenants and businesses and residents in your tower and you keep adding floors and you ooh, you buy an elevator and that type of thing. But just to blatantly rip off a known sex- successful quantity is its unbelievable. I mean, Nzinga also did Words with Friends, which I'm guilty of playing, but <laughs> that, <laughs> As that are too we is, all. Yeah, that too is a ripoff of what? Scr- Scrabble. Yeah. So yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, it's baffling that Zynga can get away with this type of thing. It is also important to note that Zynga did try to acquire Nimblebit before blatantly copying them. So it's not like they're, they're, they complete ignorance or innocence, like, oh, we've never heard of this company or this game before. They clearly try to enter an arrangement and were turned down. And so, well, what do they do? They're just, all right, fine, we'll make our own with prettier graphics. That's exactly yeah. what happened. Spiteful. Oy. So I was inspired. I mentioned I was inspired, right? You are yeah. making your own game. I'm, assu- I'm assuming that it's this exact same one. Right. So it will be called, called- Meg- Mega Teensy Weensy Tower. And, uh, no, no, actually what I thought I was, I was thinking of making like a Space Invaders clone, but now I think what I'll do is, is call it like Attack of the Clones. And it'll basically be like, you'll make a, you'll have a ship, right? And for a mission. And like all of the enemies will be called the Zingans. And their ships will start to look more and more like your ship as you continue and you're trying to destroy them all. And then the next mission will start and you'll have a new kind of pepped up ship. And then their guys will start to morph and look just like your ship, only with better art direction. And it'll just continue and so forth and so on. And I think it'll make millions. So I would totally it. play that. That, yeah. that is brilliant, actually. I think, I think that's my plan. Nice. Attack of the Zingans. So. <laughs> Somebody actually get a project to make money on Kickstarter? Yeah, that has been quite the little Cinderella story, if you want to call it that, of this week. And it's by a really one of my favorite game developers out there, Double Fine, who is behind Psychonauts, Brutal Legend, and since then, some of the coolest downloadable games such as Costume Quest and Stacking and Trenched, a.k.a. Iron Brigade. They also did Double Fine's super fun action theater. Tim, 
Yeah. Tim Schafer did Full Throttle, which is one of my favorites, too. Yeah, the two main guys there, they worked on Full Throttle, Grim Fandango, The Secret of Monkey Island, and Dave, Dave the Nicole. Tentacle. Wow. So the, they have a lot of history. I, and I do you know what the other guy's name is? I can't remember. It's Tim Schafer, no. some other dude. Bill somebody. They have such great history with LucasArts and... In, in the genre Ron of Gilbert? adventure games. Yeah, that's it. That's it, yeah. And I think he was a designer. Uh, they're, they're both they're very storied uh, creative minds behind LucasArts Adventure Games, but they haven't made any adventure games since then. And so they came out and they're like, you know what? Double Fine will make an adventure game if you help us raise at least, what was it, like $400,000? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was their goal. And as of our recording, they've, they broke a million dollars today on Kickstarter. Yeah, oh my god, they're already at 1.1 million. Which is absolutely exciting and phenomenal. I'm really happy that of all the people that could have done this first, that it's Double Fine because they make really great games. And just the pedigree of their leadership, I can't, I'm so stoked see what they make because there's definitely still been adventure games out there and I get excited about this because this was the original game genre out of all of them that I loved the most when I was a little kid. Loved King's Quest and Gabriel Knight and Phantasmagoria, all those Sierra classics, Police Quest, anything you think of that, a quest name in it back then, I loved it. <laughs> oh yeah, Space And I quest, loved the LucasArts ones, Maniac Mansion and Loom and Monkey Island stuff. There's just so much great stuff. I, I I hope that this little Double Fine title, it'll definitely have a lot more publicity to it than even games like The Longest Journey and Dreamfall did. And I hope this will give, a, give another little kick to the genre that will be more compelling than the hidden object sludge that so many adventure games have kind of settled into in the casual games market. I'm not sure what they'll make, but I'm hoping for something awesome. Well, it's definitely yeah. very inspiring. Yeah, it's just such a feel-good story on many levels. I mean, number one for Kickstarter, just the whole crowdsourcing concept as a whole, it's fun to see a real success story on there. I think, don't quote me, but I think this particular instance of um, Double Fine's adventure game, it's set the record for quickest um, amount of uh, contributions and the highest amount in a 24-hour period of time, and it's also great for Double Fine and Tim Schafer and resurrection of a genre that has been all for, but forgotten. I think it's I think it's awesome. Finally, we have a feel good story. Yeah. And in the, in <laughs> oh, the Twitterverse, some of the reactions been interesting because I've been following a lot more game developers lately and journalists, and one of them said that he's kind of basically turned the traditional game development cycle on its head by cutting the negative, cynical publishers who always say, nobody's going to buy that, there's no market for that, that hasn't sold in 20 years. Cut that all out of the equation and just gone straight to the fans to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. And they're going to be, those fans are going to have such a feeling of, you know, of investment in this. It's just amazing. It's, it's really cool. Yeah, I wonder... I wonder, though, on a negative side, if there's any ethical dilemma of critics and journalists, if they were contributors to the funding, 
you know, if that's going to be called out into action when they review it or something like that. I don't know. It's kind of thinking too far ahead, but oh yeah, interesting thought. And I will ask, I will ask you guys since it's almost exponentially gained donations. um, Let's have a little wager here. What do you, (laughs) what do you guys think its total pledge dollar amount will be next week at this time? Right now it's at two days to go. Right now it is at one million one hundred and fifty three thousand and sixty six dollars. Is there a time graph? Like, is there a histogram for this somewhere? <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. try and cheat. I'll start. I'll I'll say it'll be at two point two million. Ah, two point two. I think go it's gonna with... decelerate for me. I think it's gonna stop at one point five. What do you think, Mark? Um, now that the story's out, I'll go with... Yeah, you guys are both like so close to... I'll go with three million just to be ridiculous. <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do one dollar, Bob. <laughs> For one dollar, Bob. <laughs> All right, Bob. <laughs> wow. That's good. That's a great story. So it also looks like we have a, a topic of discussion, which I find to be very interesting, which is not a news article, but just kind of a round to- table topic, a deserted island game. So who who put this in the show notes? Is this a Jeff thing or a Noah thing? It's a Jeff thing. It's a Jeff thing. Yeah. Jeff, you want to introduce it? Go ahead. I don't want to steal your thunder. Okay. <laughs> um, this is something that's always kind of bounced around in my head. So, I mean, very hypothetical, not feasible in any way, but say you're stuck stuck on a deserted, albeit technologically capable island. You can only have one game. What is it? Who'd like to start? Mark. (laughs) (laughs) Well played, sir. Well played. Um, I would... I don't know. You know, I... I, I keep thinking I'd think of something better, but Diablo 2 just came to my mind, and I can't get it out, so that's probably the one I'd take. Nice. What is your rationale? I, I just, it's a game I always think, it's funny, when I travel, like, like now, I, and I, you know, I usually have a computer that's not as advanced as my home gaming rig or whatever. It's like, well, it's something that I know I can play on it, and it's just kind of fun, and it's a good time killer, and it just, I don't know, it's nostalgic for me now. And so, you know, it seems like if I was stuck on an island, you know, albeit technologically capable, I, I would just for some reason want to play Diablo 2. <laughs> so... And I don't know why. I just it's just what came into my mind, and I it's indefensible. But you know, that'd be it probably. Nice. Well, yeah. I mean, one of the traits or qualities of that game is kind of the random dungeons, right? Am I right? Yeah. So that would yeah, re- that would be a good draw. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Skyrim would probably be up there too, just because I haven't um. I haven't put the time into it I want to, so it'd be kind of like a, a rainy day type game or a deserted on a rainy island kind of game. Um, <laughs> that might that might be up there too, just because I know I could spend hours and hours and hours. So yeah, that, those are my two, I guess, or my my one, but with a caveat. So. 
That's a good answer. Well, thank you. Thank I'm you sure very many much. of the list. I'm sure many of the listeners would agree with you on Diablo. If Diablo three ever comes out, it could well, you know, take number one away from Diablo two and be the one I'd want to play. But that's a hypothetical future where Blizzard actually releases it. So, <laughs> <laughs> a world with no delays. Yeah. <laughs> Curse you, Noah. So I have a clarification on your question, Jeff. Does this technologically capable island, as you've called it in our show notes, that's why we keep saying that, listeners, <laughs> does that mean that online multiplayer is supported or not? I think so, yes. All right. Well, that's I mean, case, you couldn't use those communication mechanisms to save yourself from your stranded uh, <laughs> I was going to ask about that, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's there's a lot of constraints. <laughs> Do note that you're imprisoned on this technologically yeah. capable island. It's like the prisoner. That's what it is. Right. <laughs> there are bubbles. Being chased by a giant balloon. Um, <laughs> well, if that's the case, then I would pick League of Legends because I feel that that's something that would continue to evolve and that I could only get better at. But if it weren't going to be supported, if it were truly a, a post-apocalyptic scenario where this island was the last bastion of human life and there is therefore no one else to play with online. Then I would have to pick a puzzle game of some sort. And I'm kind of, and this is always hard because there's so many puzzle games that I love. And I'm kind of torn between something that would be super simplistic, like Bejeweled. And I would name Bejeweled before Plants vs. Zombies because there's no random, there's not really a random nature to Plants vs. Zombies. I feel like it get really repetitive after day 23. <laughs> um, yeah. Or a game like, Mario versus Donkey Kong March of the Minis, which not only has a whole bunch of levels that are easy, then it has a whole bunch of challenge levels after that, just as long. And it also has make your own levels in there. Oh. So it, it doesn't have the random nature of Mark's example, which is a really good idea, but that it allows you to both play the game and also create your own. Granted, I'm not sure. If there's someone else to play the games with, <laughs> someone else to try out my creations, that might be kind of cool, too. Nice. Well, that concludes our question. Just kidding, Jeff. What would, you, <laughs> what, would you, what would your game be? No, that was... I mean, Noah mentioning that there with the user creation tools, that in that very instant sparked a new one for me and that's little big planet. I mean, I know that massages my Sony fanboyism, but that's a great game that <laughs> has a good heart to it. And it's funny. It puts a smile on your face. Obviously you're going to be depressed on a stranded Island, albeit technologically capable. Um, but that, that being said, that probably wouldn't be my game. I think I would go back to one of Mark's examples and, Probably since it's fresh in my mind, I would do Skyrim. Um, it's an open-world game in the truest sense, and you know you come across all those books in the game. Even just diving into each one of those, you could fill so much time. I mean, there are entire novels within that game, um, which is just sick. Yeah, it's frightening. <laughs> um, Regarding the random nature and specifically kind of the concept of emergent gameplay, I would say something maybe like 
um, Grand Theft Auto 3 just because there's no real scripted path. You can just kind of screw around in the open world and have a new experience each time you play. So that would probably be a good quality to have when you're stuck with only one game for the rest of your life. You know what game I think would suck in this scenario? What? Mist. Ooh. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like you're reliving your real world experience yeah. in the video game or where you're stuck like on an island by yourself. The Lost video game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or something. Minecraft yeah. might be a good one, though. That might be fun. Oh, Ooh, that's yeah. a good, a good point, too. Yeah. The yeah. creation tools, yeah. Yeah. Or perhaps, cool a, or perhaps a two-player experience, a, a uh, beach volleyball named Wilson. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, yeah. That'd be horrible. <laughs> After your psychotic break, you'll never be alone again. <laughs> so, I will awkwardly transition to our next topic. Um, I think it's funny because I've heard a lot of people predicting the... You know, it used to always be the demise of PC gaming, but now, with mobile gaming threatening everyone, it's the demise of console gaming that I'm starting to hear about. Which I think is really, you know, a lot of people want to believe that, especially mobile game developers. But an interesting survey came out that said 56% of U.S. households have current-gen consoles. 39% own iOS devices. And by current-gen consoles, they mean Xbox 360s, PS3s, and Wiis in more than half of the nation's homes. And I didn't think it even took into account, um, like, uh, Nintendo DSs, which I think are they have a pretty good, you know... Uh, user base. So, what do you guys think of that? I, f- I found that to be utterly shocking. Which aspect of it did you find shocking? The numbers that high of that many people. I mean, that's like every other house has a console. Yeah, I think it's Including- really one cool, that's important to also note that those iOS devices, which are, they could be anything from an iPad to an iPhone to an iPod Touch, none of which are dedicated gaming devices. And I would doubt that any of them, or I would doubt that a majority of them are used exclusively for gaming in the way that are granted our, our ever more capable multifunctional consoles are used for there. I think our consoles are traditionally used a lot for video games. Although I did just meet someone recently who has a 360 and only uses it for Netflix and Hulu, which seems well, wow. it's weird. <laughs> Oh, you know, I take it back. I was re- this is an article on GameSpot. Uh, they mentioned later that um, 50% of children aged 6 to 12 own a Nintendo DS portable. Wow. I, yeah. I just can't. And this is a Nielsen, Nielsen rating thing, huh? It's crazy. That just blows my mind. If you consider all the poverty we have here. Yeah. You know, there's like the basic essentials, right? There's your lodging. Your food, your clothing, and your either iOS device, uh, current-gen console, or Nintendo DS Portable. It's like up there in the hierarchy, you know? It's crazy. Yeah, I I agree with you, Mark. I mean, it is pretty shocking that it's that high because if you take a step back, there's this almost cultural stigma associated with video games still that you don't realize that so many people are gamers and yeah, you know, 
course, like Noah said, it, it could be that people just use them as media devices. You know, a PlayStation is also a Blu-ray player. So maybe somebody just bought a PS3 a few years ago, thinking they would maybe game on it, but mo- mostly just for the Blu-ray. No, that's true. I think a lot. Of, I thought about doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy numbers. Really makes you helps you to realize why the gaming industry is such a big business that nobody wants to admit is such a big business, you know, billion-dollar yeah. industry, multi. Um, what else do we have in the news, Noah? We have a story about what's going on with Bill Roper, one of our favorite luminaries in the game development industry, Previously known for his work at Blizzard. <laughs> I like how the I like the enthusiasm with which you <laughs> chronicled his storied career. Now he's not in the headline of his story that I decided to throw into the notes, which is why Mark abruptly threw the hosting to me on this segment. <laughs> the headline is actually about Alex Seropian, who is the is one of the co-founders of Bungie. He joined. Disney Interactive's game business, specifically uh, under the Wide Load Development House. He co-founded that little development house under Disney Interactive Games. And he's like, see ya, and has left after only a year. He uh, Historically, he was one of the co-founders of Bungie he, uh, in 1991. Okay. He joined Disney Interactive in 2009. And that he joined when, uh, coincidentally, he joined with Wide Load, which was acquired at that same time by Disney Interactive. Something has gone amiss, though, at Disney, as many people know. Disney's shuttered a couple of its development houses, such as, in, in my sadness, Black Isle Studios, which, or wait, mm-hmm. Black Rock, not Black, Black Isle. Rock, yeah. I was reading about Black Isle earlier today because reading about Fallout and stuff like that. Black Rock made Split Second and Pure which were some really innovative and fun arcade race games. But Disney's basically said, you know, we're not making any money on console games. We're going to cancel our really uh, highly anticipated Pirates of the Caribbean RPG that a lot of people have written a lot of great things about. We're going to just cancel all that and just get into really lightweight social games. So that probably has something to do with Mr. Seropian leaving Disney and assuming his role... Filling in his role right after that is Mr. Bill Roper, who it's not he's not joining Disney right at this moment. He actually joined Disney back in July after vacating a position at Cryptic Studios to work on Champions. And he ended up over there after Flagship Studios kind of folded up after Hellgate London. Hellgate London. Oh, yes. Big time. Which he went to create after leaving Blizzard. Which did not flop. And I remember that one of Bill Roper's previous titles, I think it was at Cryptic, was like Chief Visionary or something. Yeah. Which I think was a little bit over the top. I mean, I I can respect that they were trying to show, oh, we love you so much, Bill Roper, we're going to give you this ridiculous title that makes you sound like some kind of soothsayer. So now whenever he scuttles into a new position, I have to take note of it here on the show. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's just one of those things we like to do to add value. Once he does something that everybody trumpets more than just his current title of the year, 
um, he does something that is like, wow, really super awesome, like his previous work on Diablo or Warcraft or whatever, then I will stop being sarcastic. <laughs> he will be off of your crap, your shit list. <laughs> I wouldn't say he's on my shit list. <laughs> Gotta recognize them visionaries. <laughs> oh, those luminous luminaries. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's definitely got a track record, but yeah, it raises some suspicion if he's jumping around so frequently. You know, when when Brad McQuaid actually does something cool, well, he'll be off of mine. So that's what it makes me think of. It thinks it makes me think of McQuaid and what's his name, space traveler, Lord British, Richard you know, Garriott. Yes, Richard Garriott. These really big names that used to mean something else besides tabloid fodder. Right. At least John Carmack's still kicking it. Heck yeah. Yes, sir. You know? Guy's a genius. genius. He's a genius. He is. He definitely is. And a rocket scientist. And a race car driver. I love that guy. Um, so here's a cool story. I'll take the con back. Um, it's, it's an interesting article on Massively about a guy who is using Minecraft to recreate Azeroth, which is the uh, the fictional world within the world of Warcraft, one of the continents, I guess. Um, he's he's doing it all with Minecraft, and you can go to massively, and then they'll they'll link you off to uh, a joystick article that goes into more depth and has screenshots. But it was really crazy. I was looking at some of the pictures of places I've been. And, you know, seeing them rendered. There's one place that's particularly um, interesting to me. There's this tower in Desolus that they did in um, with the Minecraft engine. That tower is where my friend Clucky and I had, like, one of the best, um, uh, you know, open-world kind of uh, PvP ongoing battles ever where we were just hunting this guy down, and then he'd get friends and hunt us down, and we just kept going in circles around this tower. And so it's really cool to see this one landmark that I just remember so clearly that's in a place that's utterly unpopulated. I mean, it's called Desolus, and sure enough, they've done it in Minecraft, and uh, it's it's really cool. So got to give the guy props. He's continuing to develop the project and is you know trying to get the whole thing done continent by continent. So. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, there are things you should and shouldn't do, and you probably shouldn't be doing that just because of the sheer level of effort, but it, you got to love it. Although I am looking at the screenshot of Desolus, and it's um, very phallic. <laughs> <laughs> it is, actually, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the tower doesn't look quite so phallic when you're when it's not rendered in giant blocks. But, uh, but yeah, it's funny that tower has no doors. You can't go inside it. It's just like this rune, ruin, rune, a ruin that, um, is, you know, it's never explained what it is, I don't believe, but. It's a, it's a ruin ruined by my similarities to other things. Yeah, I'll never think of it the same way. Thank you very much. You just stole my childhood. (laughs) Anyway. Maybe instead of Dallas or Desolus, it's just called Phallus. Phallus. <laughs> the land of Phallus. The land case. of Phallus. 
Um, meanwhile, speaking of ruining my childhood, Diablo 3 has been delayed yet again as Activision has pushed it's to the April-June quarter. So I thought it was just around the corner, but alas, it's been postponed uh, for a little bit longer. And this um, comes along with the announcement that we will not see StarCraft II, Heart of the Swarm, nor World of Warcraft, Mists of Pandaria. Everybody sigh. Oh. Um, we'll, we'll probably Sad see Panda. one of them, but we won't see both of them. Well, i tell you which one I want to see and which one I don't care about. Sad um, Panda. The one yeah. where you can cosplay as a furry. I do course. not want to be a giant <laughs> martial artist panda. I really don't. Why do that when you already do that in real life? I know. I'm so much that already. And just to realize it in cartoon form doesn't do anything for me, you know. Completely so, unfilling. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't work. So... I'm really bummed to see Diablo pushed back. It's really not that far away. It's not like they said it's a year away or anything like that. It's just a few more months, but gosh, I just really want to play that game. You know what shocks me is they released uh, 100,000 beta keys the other week, and you were not one of them, Mark. It's like no. every coworker that I have who signed up for this beta, uh, all of them got in. No, all I got nobody... was... Yeah, and you one of the most ridiculous diehard Blizzard fans of all time, and I'm sure you were signed up for the beta the moment that you could. Well, you know I've me. I've still not seen your beta key. And the, and the way that Ryan put it to us, who he's been on the show before, our pro gamer friend who we're having difficulties to get back on the show, but he will return. He said, he's like, yeah, they basically gave out all the remaining betas, keys that were left <laughs> to fulfill. I'm like, except for Mark. <laughs> it just makes me, just makes me want to cry. Yeah. So I've got I'm the, I'm doing it's the late because of that, you know, that's what surprised me. It seems like it's pretty much ready to roll out if they've just blasted 100,000 betas out there. Yeah, no, all I have is spam that says I have indeed received a, a, um, so here's what I've gotten. Unlike these other guys, greetings from blizzard entertainment, misspelled entertainment. We're gearing up for the forthcoming launch and they put a four TH launch of Diablo three would like to extend to you, to you. And in, and yes, they said that twice an invitation to participate <laughs> misspelled in the beta test. If you're interested in participating, oddly, this one is spelled correctly. You will need to have a battle.net account with the capital N after the dot, which you can create on our battle.net, not a capital N this type of website. We will flag you for access to the beta test. I'm going to just quit the criticizing. And you, and you do not need to go through the opt-in process to secure your place among the first of Sanctuary's heroes, comma, but then a capital P. Please use the following template below to verify your account information via email. Oh, man. Um, so name, Battle.net account name, password, password again, country email address. Thank you, and see you in the burning hells. So that's what I've been getting. Gone fishing. Just, just so sad. Just so sad. I think wow. we should just end the podcast now. I, I've totally been defeated. <laughs> well, it, um, it is sad, but if there's one company that I think can justifiably delay things almost perpetually, it's Blizzard. You know they're going to have it perfect when it comes out, so... Yeah, that's true. And for you, Mark, it's awesome. 
not being in the beta, that'll make it all the more enjoyable when you do get a chance to play it. So yeah, and I will take my vengeance out upon all the pl- other players in the game. <laughs> but yeah, it's just such a bummer that all those people got beta invites. I'm surprised you guys didn't get them. I didn't attempt to, but yeah, like no, I have a few friends that did get in. I wonder if Jason got in. Surely he was signed up for it. One would think, but we'll have, have to, to find ask out. Him. Yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, they're definitely delaying some stuff. So. Dun 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 dun. dun. <laughs> yeah. That's all we have for tonight, actually. Now that we played the sad, the sad note, um, that ends our little adventure in podcasting. Episode 185. Can you believe we've done 185 of these things? It's a lot. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It We're was funny. As, it's hard for us to be objective about it. <laughs> yeah. It is, it was funny though when I saw the, those other podcasters and they told me the name. I looked it up on, um, with my iPhone on iTunes and I was like, oh, they only have 85. I was like, <laughs> Noobs. <laughs> yeah, so far to go. <laughs> it was kind of funny, but yeah, it was pretty cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Jeff, and thank you, Noah, for uh, doing all the uh, running of the show with your with your virtual assistant, Pamela. <laughs> She's so reliable. Yeah. What do you think, listeners? This was the first time I've done the podcast without having had any alcohol. I I find it to be enormously stressful. I think that <laughs> next time I'll make up for it with an extra large rum and coke. But <laughs> let me know if you like this kind of somber, slightly defeated Mark better. Depressed, <laughs> depressed in Dallas. Depressed in Dallas. That's right. Depressed <laughs> I like in that. Dallas. That might be the title of the episode. Or dis- despondent in <laughs> Dallas. <laughs> the 3Ds in Dallas, yeah. But uh, <laughs> anyway, thank you all for listening. We had a, had a really good time, actually. All, yeah, all thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah. Nice. we'll have we'll have to have you back, Jeff, when you're available. Yeah, definitely. If I can't play Diablo 3 soon, I might just kill myself.